It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. The story begins sometime in the ancient past. We don't know exactly when, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly when, but sometime there in the ancient past. The Bible in Genesis chapter one tells the story, tells us of the event of God creating the heavens and the earth. The Bible says he created this earth in six literal days and he rested on the seventh day. But during those six literal days, he made a beautiful place where there was perfect harmony. No death, no dying, no pain, no sorrow. Perfect harmony between everything. And on the earth, he created a garden. And the garden was a special dwelling place for the first human beings that he had created, Adam and Eve. And he looked around. God brought all the animals and Adam named all of those animals. And I imagine in my mind as Adam named the lion, God said to Adam, you know, I made this lion just for you, Adam. And when Adam named the great egret, he said, you know, this egret, I made it thinking of you, Adam. And when he walked next to the roses, God said, Eve, I made these flowers just for you. Everything in the garden is for you. However, there's one tree, Adam and Eve, there's one tree. I need to be secure in knowing that you will obey me no matter what the circumstances. So Adam and Eve, there's one tree. Don't eat from that tree. One day, Eve found herself wandering, and she ended up by that tree that God said, don't eat from it. There at the tree, Satan, who had been cast out of heaven, disguised himself as a serpent and began speaking to Eve. He began to say to her things like, you're going to reach a higher plane, Eve. You're going to reach heights you've never reached if you eat from this tree, if you eat from this tree, Eve, you will become like God himself. And in a moment of weakness, Eve took from the tree and she ate. Then she brought it to Adam and Adam faced a monumental choice. His choice was to either trust God, that God would come up with some type of plan, somehow, some way he could do something, or Adam could maneuver and make his own way. And so the testimony of the Bible is that instead of trusting God, Adam, not deceived by the serpent, made a choice, his own choice, to partake of the fruit in a demonstration of his lack of trust in God. In that moment, the dominoes began to fall. I can imagine in my mind for just a moment, and I am speculating just a bit, but I can imagine that when Adam partook of the fruit, 
all of a sudden, everything changed. They knew it had changed because the Bible says that they realized that they were naked. Their eyes had been opened. And in that very moment, everything changed. The lion would no longer lay with the lamb. The leopard would no longer be friends with the fawn. Everything changed. Right in that very moment, the flowers began to wilt. The ferns began to die. The trees began to lose their leaves. In that moment, everything changed. The Bible says that Adam and Eve made for themselves coverings. It is a demonstration of the very crises that we face today. You see, Adam and Eve made a choice to cover themselves because they wanted to try to cover up what they had done. But isn't that how we work today? We try to fix things. We try to cover up things. Adam and Eve tried to fix their own problem and cover themselves. So when God arrived on the scene, he began looking for Adam and Eve. God who communed face to face with Adam and Eve, he communed with them one on one. He couldn't find them. And he began to cry out, where are you? Adam, Eve, where are you? And the Bible says that Adam responded, we were hiding, we were afraid, we heard you walking and we were afraid. Now why, my dear friends, would they be afraid of God? You see, that's what Satan wants to do to us. Because when we sin, when we make a choice to not do what God wants us to do, Satan brings guilt into our life. And as soon as we experience that guilt, we experience fear. And fear leads to anxiety and anxiety to pain. And that is exactly what Adam and Eve experienced in that garden. In that very moment, God had to teach Adam and Eve a lesson. You see, God wasn't caught by surprise. In the ancient past, God knew that this might happen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit convened a meeting together in the ancient past before the fall of Adam and Eve. And there Jesus the Son made a decision that he would come and die for humanity. He would die in our place because the reality is sin demands death. And so God pointed forward. He pointed forward that Adam and Eve could know that there would be a better time. Out of the great disappointment of the fall of sin, hope would rise. Jesus is described throughout the Bible as the Lamb. But in the book of Revelation, 27 times Jesus is referred to as the Lamb. Revelation 13 and verse 8. In that chapter, right there at the very center, is the most important verse of the entire chapter. It might be the most important verse in the entire Bible. It speaks of Jesus as the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. This is what differentiates the religion of the Bible, the practice of the Bible from other pagan religions. You see, pagan religions, the gods demanded a sacrifice. The pagan gods demanded life. And here's the difference between the pagan gods and the God of the Bible, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice 
because he didn't demand someone else's life. Rather, he gave his own life. Jesus, the son of God, gave his life. But here's the question. The question that many people ask, why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to give his life? The Bible makes it actually quite clear why Jesus had to die. Romans, the sixth chapter and verse 23, a verse many may know well, says this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The demand of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. In the Garden of Eden, hope would rise. And it was demonstrated to Adam and Eve. Blood. Blood is what covers and makes us clean. What a beautiful illustration. But we might ask, why blood? Well, Leviticus says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, blood is a multifaceted and multidimensional in its work and its task. Now, when our blood is healthy, when we have good circulation, the blood delivers oxygen to all of our cells. It carries nutrients to where they need to go. And then it takes out the waste and removes it out of our body. And so God uses this illustration that blood cleanses. But that doesn't seem logical. Because when you cut yourself and your blood runs and you get it on your white shirt, it stains. But the Bible says something amazing. That though our sins be as scarlet, they will become white as snow. How is that possible? Because blood cleanses. Now during the time of the Old Testament, God put in place a sacrificial system that symbolically pointed forward to Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Now, Leviticus 5, verses 5 and 6, recounts the essence of that sacrificial system. And this is what the book of Leviticus has to say. And it shall be, when he is guilty of any of these matters, that he shall confess that he has sinned, in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin, which he committed. Symbolically, symbolically in that moment, you would be cleansed of your sin. The lamb would become the sacrifice. But here's the thing, and it's a critical piece that we often miss when we talk about the Old Testament. The innocent animals were there to demonstrate for us and were a foreshadowing of the arrival of Jesus. If all of these animals pointed forward to the sacrifice of Jesus, it wasn't the literal sacrifice of the animal that was important, but rather it was the looking forward to the Son of God coming and dying for our sins. Every lamb, every sacrifice pointed forward to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. This is why, in fact, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus came to this earth. He came to this earth for one purpose and with one person in mind, and that was you. And it was me. 
Here's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to experience guilt in your life because if you experience guilt, it's going to bring you fear, anxiety, distress, and sickness. If he can keep you in that fear, he can keep you in that anxiety and distress and sickness. It will prevent you. It will prevent me from doing the one thing that will take away all of those things. Jesus makes this simple invitation for us to come to him, to pray and accept the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. Jesus can bear your burdens. Jesus can bear my burdens. Jesus can bear your guilt. Jesus can bear my guilt. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, it is he. He is the one who brings hope into our lives. Jesus, he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The Bible is clear that he is the sustainer of all things. We need to come to realize that Jesus Christ the lion of the tribe of Judah of the book of Revelation, the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world of the book of Revelation. He is the all-powerful savior in our lives. The entire testimony of scripture is that Jesus wins and Satan loses. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And when he came 2,000 years ago, he came as a suffering servant to die for our sins. You know, we live in a world that doesn't like to talk about sin. We don't like that word sin. We live in a time where people say, hey, what's good for you? It's good for you. What's good for me? It's good for me. And that's how we'll get along. We live in a society that is ever increasingly trying to dispel the issue of personal accountability. You know, we have all kinds of excuses for why we do what we do. Some of us will say, you know, it's in my genes. That's how I grew up. I can't help myself. Some of us will talk about the environment we live in. That's how my parents brought me up. But friends, when we talk about these things in the context of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have to understand excuses won't do. Excuses won't save us. We live in a world where we want to do things to make up for our sins. We want to try and do enough good things to outweigh the bad things. But the reality is the Bible tells us good works. They won't help us. There's only one thing, only one thing that will save us, only one hope for humanity, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. How can you receive the hope that has risen in these days first? Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. One of the hardest things for most people to accept is to accept the reality that God loves you. Some have grown up in a home where there was a father that was abusive or a mother that was abusive or a mother and a father that abandoned them. Maybe there's someone watching today who doesn't even know who their mother or father is. God says this to you. I loved you with an everlasting love. That means God knew you before you were even born, which means he loves you and he loves you just the way you are. God says, come to me tonight. Come to me today. Come to me this morning, whatever time it is, because I have loved you with an everlasting love. Second, my dear friends, we, 
must come to recognize that we cannot save ourselves. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. There's not one of us that can say, Oh, I've walked a perfect life. I haven't sinned. You see, we need to come to a place where we realize we can't save ourselves. We've all sinned. Third, we need to believe that Jesus can and will save us. John 3.16, you know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know that word whoever? It includes you. Thankfully, it includes me. Too often we have a hard time believing this, but the Bible says that God sent Jesus and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. By the way, the verse following that, in verse 17, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible is clear. God's not out to get you. God wants to save you. Fourth, the Bible says, Confess your sins to Jesus and believe you are forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 makes this promise. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Forgiveness means that we are released or God has released us from the penalty that we rightfully deserve. But he goes beyond that. The Bible says that he cleanses us. God doesn't just want to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you, give you a clean slate. Claim his gift of eternal life and decide to serve him forever. Romans 10, 9 simply says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is calling to you today. And he's saying this to you. I want you to receive eternal life. He had just one thing on his mind when he came to this earth and he died on the cross. And that was you. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this. For he, speaking of God, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Friend, when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die of the agony of the physical pain, although there was plenty of it. As the sins of the world were poured upon Jesus... That Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane, something began to happen. All the sins throughout history were packaged up in one bundle and laid upon Jesus. Imagine the guilt, the anguish, the anxiety, and the stress of every single person who's lived throughout all of history, all of that being placed on Jesus at once. Jesus didn't die because of the physical pain. Jesus died because of a broken heart. He bore the guilt of humanity. The beauty of the scriptures is this. It pictures Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And this entire book has one storyline that you must always keep in mind. Jesus wins. Satan loses. 
if you want to summarize the story of this book, of the Bible, all 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, all 1,200 chapters of this book, they have one single testimony. Jesus wins and Satan loses. And so the simple deduction is, friends, be on Jesus' side. You know, I'll never forget I was teaching young people ages seven to nine. We were having kind of a vacation Bible school situation with physical activities along with learning from the Bible. And we had them all day long. And one of the things we did is we went to the pool. Now, I had a bunch of teenagers that were helping me watch the children in the pool. Now, in that pool, they had this rubberized brick that would sink to the bottom of the pool so you could throw it in and then go and dive and retrieve it. Now the teenagers began dropping and retrieving the brick in the deep end of the pool. As soon as those seven to nine-year-olds saw that, you know what happened. They wanted to do it too. Now this made me really nervous. So we took the young people into a shallower end of the pool and many of the children began diving and getting the brick. But they weren't satisfied. They wanted to do what the big kids did and so they went to the deep end. Now here's the fascinating thing. What many of them would do They would dive down, no problem. They would pick up the brick. They'd get the brick and they'd push themselves up off the bottom of the pool and they'd begin kicking their feet and they'd come up, up, up as fast as they could and they would almost get to the top. They'd get about a half a meter from the top and their feet would be kicking as fast as they could kick and they wouldn't move. They couldn't get to the top. They were kind of almost levitating in the water. Now we'd let that go on for just a moment or two and then we'd grab them and pull them up out of the water so they didn't drown. And in each and every case, I would ask them the question, why didn't you just let go of the brick? And they would answer, but I just wanted to get to the top. You see, they couldn't come to the conclusion that they could not do it on their own and they were unwilling to let go of the brick. All they would have had to do was let go of the brick and they would have come right to the top. Today, Jesus is calling upon you to let go. To let go, collapse in his arms and say, Lord, I want the gift of salvation. I come to you with an open heart. I come to the cross. I come believing that Jesus is my lamb I kneel before the cross. I confess my sin. He invites us today to encounter him in a special way, to come to him with all our guilt, with all our shame, and say to him, save me, Jesus. I regret the hours I have wasted And the pleasures I have tasted That you were never in And I confess That though your love is in me It doesn't always win me When competing with my sin And I And I repent 
guilt I've accepted the commandments I rejected to pursue my selfish end and I confess I need you to revive me put selfishness behind me and take up my cross again and I repent making no excuses and I repent there's no one else to blame and I return to fall in Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the gift of hope in Jesus Christ. Today, we give our lives to him. Give us encouragement. We confess our sins to you. Please forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are so thankful for this promise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friends, the rising of hope in this Star Wars battle between good and evil is the rise of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He wants to be in relationship with you. I want to offer to you today the passion of the Messiah. This gripping book talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call any time. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. My dear friends, the story of the scriptures is simple. Jesus wins, Satan loses. 
If you'd like to know more about that story, I encourage you to go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca. You'll find resources for your spiritual life and archives of our program. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Please join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.